listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today from Pretty Maids, I've got Ronnie Atkins. Ronnie, how you doing, man? I'm good, Alex. Thank you. Good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I got to say, congratulations on your first solo album, One Shot. Uh, it's been out over a little, a little over a week now, and the reception seems very positive. Uh, how does it feel to be this far in your career and putting out your first solo album? Well, I'd say it's about time after 40 years, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it feels great. I mean, I'm, um, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, there was a reason why I did it, but uh, it's, it's, um, uh, I'm so happy for the, you know, for the reception and all the great reviews and everything and the interest. And I mean, I didn't really expect that. In fact, I don't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. I was maybe thinking somebody would say it was a little, old school, maybe a little bit 280s or whatever, you know, but um, I just knew I had some, a lot of good songs and, uh, and apparently there's a lot of people that agree with me. So I'm very, very grateful. I'm very happy. Glad to hear that. Uh, let's talk about going into the writing of the album. To me, the theme of the album is very much consistently, at least, Carpe Diem. Uh, what were some of the things you wanted to say with this album? Carpe Diem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, uh, it is pretty much the theme because of my health situation and stuff like that, you know. So when I was told uh, I had cancer and um, um, that I had a life-threatening disease, that's when you start uh, considering things, you know, start thinking about life, death, you know, and all these issues that you maybe not normally think about. You know, I mean, you you just start to think that life is precious, you know, and uh, don't take things for granted. And that's, that's basically the, the main message on the album and particularly on the, you know, on the title track, you know, but the songs are pretty much about, you know, uh, live right here now, you know, um, seize the day, you know, appreciate, don't save the best for last. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned that you've been mentioning your health issue. Uh, so it is cancer in the lung, right? Mm-hmm. Did that, did you have any issues with your voice at all recording this? Because you sound so big and full on the album itself. I did not, but after the I, after the surgery and and all the radiation radiation therapy I went through, uh, you know, which damaged my lung tissue. I actually had three months last year between January and March, beginning of April. Uh, I really had difficulties in singing. I could sing, but when I went for the high notes and stuff like that, I started coughing, you know. So I was uh, just very relieved and very happy when I realized in April, May last year that um, that the pipes were still working. And that's when we kicked off and started doing the album, actually, because I had a lot of songs already. So um, Nice. So it didn't, it didn't actually affect my voice. I mean, I lost 20% of my lung capacity. That's what they actually removed from my lung. The oh, upper wow. lung. And, but um, I'm going to the gym every day. I'm taking long walks and doing what I can, you know, to keep myself in shape. So, and, but it didn't affect my singing, no. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. Another thing, cool thing, speaking specifically about the vocals, at least I thought this was cool. Uh, I was reading the press release. You laid down the vocals first, which is, you know, that's kind of very against the process of recording an album traditionally. I'm curious if that presented any different challenges or if it made you look at like making the album in a different way when you've done that. Well, it actually went pretty smooth, but you're totally right. It's totally the opposite way of what I've done all my life, you know, because normally the vocals are the last thing you do or the guitar solos and stuff and uh, the first thing you do is the basic tracks and the drums but this time this time, totally the other way around I actually sent my stuff up to Chris Laney who, who produced the album in Stockholm and uh, he sent said like he did the instrumentation sent the 
demo back to me, a good demo. And I did the did the vocals, and and later on we, we then I sent it back, and they did the instrumentation. And the last thing we actually did for the album was was the drums you hear on the album. So it was uh, it was weird, but it went smooth actually. But I but I felt like because my diagnosis wasn't worth. I, I mean, I just wanted to get my stuff done before I eventually, if I get sick, got sick, or eventually died. You know, who knows? I mean. And um, and I know that sounds dramatic when I'm sitting here talking to you a year on, but uh, that's how I felt, and that's honest. It's a very in-the-moment album like that, and I'm glad that you were able to get it out for sure. Um, here's hoping there's more. I do want to hit on some of the songs specifically. Uh, so let's start with One Shot. To me, that song, that's your mission statement of the album, I think. Talk about that one a bit. It is. I mean, that, that song is pretty fresh, actually. Because, uh, I mean, I wrote a lot of stuff between... Uh, uh, September, October 2019 and and May when we started recording it. And and I also had a lot of ideas on, on, on my iPhone from going back years. So what I did, I, I used some of the fresh stuff and then I took, for instance, like a bridge part, which if I needed, needed a bridge part, I said, I got this bridge part on that song, I could use this here. That's how the song was written. I mean, it, the, the album was, this song, one, one shot was uh, written on a piano. So, I mean, simple. I bought a new piano and in uh, January last year, and, and so actually quite a few of the songs are written on piano. I'm not a piano player, but I can write on a piano, you know. But but that is uh, that's 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 how that song came about. Originally, it was written like a like a like a really pompous big ballad with big stroke chords in the in the chorus. And Chris actually came up with the idea to do this go go ga queen kind of thing, you know. But uh, I personally think One Shot is one of the best songs I've. I've written in a long, long time. I like the atmosphere of the song, the vibes and everything. Yeah, it's very big and grand. And you also made me think, you mentioned some of these are new songs, some of these you've had sitting around for a while. I'm curious, were any of these like ever intended to either maybe be the follow-up to Undress Your Madness or maybe on Kingmaker or any of the previous Pre-Maids albums? Probably, yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is, when you write something, when I write something, I record the stuff on an iPhone with a guitar or a piano, and then I make a note, you know, like possible chorus for PM or for solo or whatever, you know, or Nordic Union for that matter. But I mean, uh, well, there was a song like I Prophesize. I remember that one. The, the chorus was actually meant to be for maybe a pretty made song, you know, as a possible chorus, PM, you know, so... Yeah, of course, some of the songs could have been on a Pretty Mates album, but I would say in generally the album is a little too personal and maybe a, little, a bit too soft, but for Pretty Mates. But the songs, the songs are a good song is a good song, you know, and it could be on any album actually. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite lyrics on the album is uh, it's from the song Real, and it's I've lived out the loud fantasies that rock my world, and the flame still inside me still burns. That's quite a declaration at the start of your album. Talk about that song a bit. Well, it is. I mean, cause that song is very reflecting, actually, looking back on my life, you know. But what I'm trying to say that I, is simply that, uh, I mean, it matters now. Things have to be real. If I'm going to be involved in something now, it's got to be something that I, I love doing, you know. But it's also about myself. Um, so, yeah, it's reflecting. and um, But it's also also have a, I mean, the positive message is it, is that, you know, I, I carried out my childhood dream, man. I, I had a dream since I was 10 years old, you know, that I wanted to be a, a rock star, not necessarily a rock star, but I wanted to be up on stage, play music, record my own music and write my own music and stuff like, and, and all of that I achieved. And as I say, if, you know, in the end, I wouldn't change a single thing and I wouldn't. 
Nice. Uh, Subjugated. I love that song. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of reflective. And it also kind of feels like it's a bit of a march in the verses. Like it's a bit of a parade. Talk about that song. That's very, that's really like uh, both me and Chris, you know, are, are huge Def Leppard fans, you know, two of my mm. old favorite albums are like Pyromania and Hysteria. And still, still to this day, so I think those albums, particularly Hysteria, sounds awfully good, you know, even when you listen to it today. And I, I love Def Leppard. I love the big production and stuff like that. So that that song kind of turned, let's okay, let's go 80s, man. Let's go all in. You know, that's what we did. I mean, and, and, and lyrically, it's just about narcissism, really, you know. But the song, I think it's a great song. I think it's a great sing-along song and it's a happy song. Absolutely. You know, with, with, with the pandemic, shows and touring have been on hold for some time. And I'm curious, like, what do you think, what do you see as your, like, your future? Do you want to do another record to, like, kind of follow on the heels of this one? Do you want to play some solo shows when that's possible? Uh, like, what, what do you see as your next steps? Well, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, you know, but, but you know, my, my situation is a little different. It, it makes it really difficult to plan, but I have, I still have a lot of dreams, you know, I, um, I still have a dream and, and that is to go back on stage in some constellation, you know, but it's just very difficult for me to plan anything right now, whether we're talking pretty mates or we're talking my own stuff. Uh, so all I'm, what I'm doing now is I'm writing, actually, I'm writing songs and uh, hopefully I'll have another shot, a second shot, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that, that's what I'm aiming for. I hope so too. Yeah, because uh, you, you sound so you sound so full of life on this album, and I'd love to hear that continue. Uh, yeah, I still feel full of life. I still feel full of life, and these days I'm good. You know, I'm getting immune therapy, but I'm going to these scans every third month. You know, and and it, it really seriously, without sounding like a drama queen, it, it it really depends on what I'm told. You know, if I have to go back in treatment and stuff like that, you know, uh, you never know. Yeah, this uh, damn disease. So one day at a time, I guess. <laughs> It is very much my life right now, yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't briefly ask about the Pretty Maids in the past. I've always been curious. Uh, I discovered the Pretty Maids uh, through Frontiers. Like I, I discovered you guys on Kingmaker and I learned that there's this great history of the band. Mm. So I, I was curious, uh, kind of like, take me back to like around the time of like Future World and Red Hot Heavy. Um, like, did you ever make it over to the U.S. on those albums? And did you ever get to tour over here when that when those albums were kind of starting to pop off in the early days? We were close, you know. Well, let me start by saying Red Hot and Heavy and Future World, those two albums, pretty much the albums that, the, the defining albums, you know, that's when we, uh, you know, created our own style kind of stuff, you know, between, you know, good guitar riffs and good sounding keyboards and good vocal melodies and stuff like that, you know. So those two albums are... are obviously seen as some kind of milestones for, you know in the eyes of the fans and followers and about that time it was the 80s we were playing on rotation on mtv and stuff like that. it was different times and back, actually back in 87 we had a chance to go out with uh, white snake in and um, on their 87 album which were huge of course and well we couldn't do it because we were already committed to do a european deep purple tour and play the monsters of rock shows here in europe uh, so but sometimes I'm thinking, you know, what would have happened if we went on that uh, White Snake tour just for three weeks and we probably would have jumped on another tour, Motley Crue, whatever, you know, done some of our own shows. Uh, but then then it took like three years from Future World until the next album, Lethal Heroes, which that was what it was called in America. It's called Jump the Gun in Europe. Yeah. And in those three years, the scene just totally changed dramatically. And it was somewhat sleaze and then it was grunge. 
So no, we never made it to America. We played one single show on American soil, and that was in 2012 at the Proc Power Festival in Atlanta, Georgia. So wow. um, yeah, that, that's that's totally surreal, actually. And in particular, thinking about the last 10, 11 years, the band's been really consistent, you know, since we did the Pandemonium album, 2010. We've been, uh, first of all, we proved that we were still relevant to the business. We made good albums, sounded good and stuff like that. So. Yeah, we should have been to America. Instead, we've done some of these cruises where we met a lot of American people. Yeah, I'm hoping to catch you guys someday. Whether it's uh, even if I have to go to Europe or get on one of those cruises, I'd love to see you guys live because you guys put out that incredible uh, Future World 30 DVD last year, and that was kind of like my first taste of seeing you guys perform on stage. And it was just, it was also great to have because it was in the middle of the pandemic and there were no live shows, so it was nice to have that as well. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's all, that's all you can do, isn't it? Watch some live shows. I mean, we're all starving for rock and roll. And um, yeah, but I mean, it, I think it turned out pretty well, you know. I mean, I wasn't too much because it was actually finished and stuff like that while I was lying in hospital when I was sick, you know. So Chris actually took care of most of that. that arm. But I think it turned out really good as far as I'm... I'm not very good at watching myself, to be honest, uh, but uh, people say it's good. So I trust <laughs> them. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up you, uh, that you mentioned that I thought was quite interesting is you nailed what I've always thought was pretty made signature sound. And that is like the keyboards and the heaviness. And I always wondered because sometimes it seems like here in America, people like to like, you're one or the other, you're heavy or you're melodic. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would have been like a, a hindrance? Like, ha like had you like maybe like, had there been a, a chance to tour the, the stage? Do you think that would have been like a difficult barrier to break through? Or do you think people would have got that out? That's just always something I learned about. Because to me, the thing I love about Future World is you've got songs like Love Games, which kind of reminds me of Journey, but then you've got a song like Yellow, Yellow Rain or the song Future World, which is like just heavy and driving it in your face. Mm. I think it, 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 it's, it's been an advantage and a disadvantage. You know, we've been kind of stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea, right? Mm -hmm. Because the thing is that it's pretty simple. Uh, we grew up with a lot of 70s and early 80s uh, stuff like bands and like the whole year, like the Purple, Settling Black, Sabbath, Kiss, Thin Lizzy, and then the new wave of British heavy metal. At the same time, we, were, we just like good pop music as well. We love bands like AOR, bands like Journey, Foreigner, Boston. Toto and all that kind of stuff, you know. So we always been a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So we had a had a foot in both camps, and that's just the way we are. And but uh, definitely, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it, it probably caused some confusion with with fans because it it has to be pretty much black or white sometimes, you know. But uh, we still <laughs> we were always been a bit of both. So, uh, but that, I mean, the song, the melody, I mean, the hook and everything that that's, and the good riff, that's always been the most important thing for us, you know. But the thing is that we like both kinds of music ourselves. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I got two more questions for you. Uh, first up, a bit more of a serious question, you know. I'm sure you've done some looking, like as much as you try to live in the moment, you try, you've done some looking back at your career with Pretty Maids and now with the solo album. What are the things about the music that you hope lasts after, after you either, either can't perform anymore or just don't have the drive to anymore. Uh, what, what do you mean? If like 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 let's like let's say for whatever reason like your health gets to a point where you can't mm -hmm. tour anymore, or maybe it's just such a strain on you that you maybe don't want to tour anymore. Like, what do you hope like like about like the 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 work you've created like lasts after you you're unable to do that anymore? Well, I hope we leave a legacy that we did some good music, uh, what we did some good albums, you know, and, and I hope that people will 
look back as uh, that, that people had something back when they paid money for a ticket to go to our concerts or shows and and they had a good um, had a good time because that's what we always tried to do that's that was the whole thing you know we always saw ourselves first and foremost as entertainers not necessarily artists because I mean we didn't really create something new I don't think we did you know we just did what a lot of people have done before us but we just kind of tried to develop it a little bit you know but we always wanted to entertain whether it was on on, on record or it was was on a live show so I hope people will think of Pretty Mates as that that kind of band. Awesome I'm glad to hear that. So, Ronnie, thank you so much. It's been a blast talking to you. And the tradition on this show is I like to end always on a lighthearted note. And that is with a funny tour story or maybe a story from recording. So do you have any like funny stories from being on the road over the years with Pretty Maids? Yeah, well, you know, what goes on the bus stays on the bus, right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of funny stories, but it's like I said, every single time somebody asked me that question, I can't remember. Oh, maybe I just say so, but yeah, we had, we had, we just basically had a lot of fun on tour. You know, we, we, we did a lot of fun. We, we always had, a good, you know, the whole thing we started out when we started the business, we started off buying, you know, throwing televisions out of the hotel rooms because we had to do that and have to use a fire extinguisher and some of the rooms which cost us a hell of a lot of money. You know, the same thing that everybody else did, but there's a lot of funny stories. I can't cook it down, cook it down to one right now, but. One of the most weird stories I was about touring when we did the tour, jump the jump the gun tour in '90. You know, we we toured across Europe and we had some long distances. We had a guy flown in from England who drove the bus and then he flew back and then he came back again and drove the bus. And later on, it turned out he was a serial killer. Oh wow! I mean, it's not really funny, but it's it's pretty fucking weird, isn't it? Yeah, it just it, it ends up make, being a weird part of your history. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, but um. Yeah, but it's it's always been fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't we wouldn't do it. You know, because we absolutely didn't do it for the money. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much, Ronnie. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as always, would you like to plug your social media or where people can find you uh, here at the end of the show? Well, yeah, you can you can check me out on Ronnie Atkins Official on Facebook and um, and on Instagram as well. You know. And, and I hope you like the new album, One Shot. And uh, I hope I'll be able to perform in front of you, some of you at some point, hopefully in America. That will be absolutely fantastic. I hope so too. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Till next time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.